This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody and welcome to the True Crime Squad. This is Katie Weaver. I'm here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. Happy Monday. It is, indeed. But if you're listening, you know, on another day, happy that day. <laughs> happy whatever day that is. Yeah. It's happy just Monday here. Monday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're we're glad to be here and have a ton of cases today. Wow. We but do. There's that. How's it going? How was your weekend? There's going on. Good, good. My weekend was really good. Um, we had a fair. We did a fair on Saturday, and that was yeah. lots of fun. And yesterday, we uh, um, went to my other sister's for dinner and played some games, and that was fun. And just kind of had a fairly low-key weekend, which was really nice. You know, it's funny, because we did have a fair Saturday, and it was like an eight-hour event in the heat. Uh, but we managed to stay pretty shaded. Uh, and for once, I didn't come home from a fair absolutely dead. Yeah. Yeah. We managed Actually, to. Yeah. Came home and okay. like did laundry and dishes and, you know, like functioned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of times after those fairs, I come home and die. But, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't as bad. Somehow it worked. Yeah. yeah Good. Was... Well, we made a mad dash to Boise yesterday to uh, fix one of the kids' cars. <laughs> we made a trip down. Which is, you know, it's a four and a half-ish hour drive to their house. We went, left first thing in the morning, ran down there. Well, we drove, to be clear. But <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't run to, to Meridian. That's a long ways to go. Wouldn't recommend it, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but fixed a broken car, fixed a broken lawnmower, had lunch, and came home. <laughs> so. And that was probably a very long day. The kids were like, why don't you just stay over? This is crazy. And we're like, ah. We have so much to do next week. It doesn't make sense. We just got to go. But anyway, so yeah, kind of a long day, but anyway, good to see the kids. And luckily the car uh, had an easy fix and, you know, all is well. Well, good news. Good news. Yeah, we'll take it. Well, holy shit. There's a lot. So much. So I think we should start it out. You guys, this is a jam-packed. It's one of our uh, true crime roundup shows where basically we grab six different cases that, uh, we want to put some light on and go for it. So, Christy, I'm going to turn it over to you to get us started with a Florida man case. Yes. Sometimes our Florida man stories are funny and awful. This one's just awful. So, last week, there was a shooting over jet skis of all things and unfortunately it ended in the death of a seven-year-old boy that happened last tuesday um the day on the fourth of july there was some kind of an altercation um because someone we don't even know quite yet who um was driving recklessly on a jet ski. I mean, not a good thing. A reason to murder someone? Probably Mm, not. No. So police were called um, about a shooting at the Courtney Campbell Causeway, which is west of Ben T. Davis Beach. I have never been to Florida. I don't know where any of that is. But those of you from Florida, you probably know. It's it's in Tampa, apparently, because it's Tampa police who responded. Mm -hmm to this um so some shooting began and there was this man and his this man and his seven-year-old grandson grandpa grabbed the grandson and and jumped into their truck 
to get away from the gunfire. Sure. Uh, when they were inside the vehicle, around went through the vehicle, hit grandpa in the finger and the young boy in the head. Oh. Grandpa and the seven-year-old boy were not involved in the jet ski argument. They don't right. they didn't even know what was really going on. Oh. He just no. jumps in the truck trying to protect his grandson because mm -hmm. he hears gunfire. And this child is killed. Oh. And like killed instantly. Sure. Oh, that's horrific. So apparently was it worth was it? Yeah. No. Was it was it worth, was it worth it? it? Was it worth firing your gun in public around people? Was it? Was it worth it because you were mad over people driving recklessly on their dumb jet skis? So apparently there were two groups of jet skiers uh, riding their jet skis too close to the shore. So kids were playing in the water. The jet skis were getting too close to them. And that confrontation led to gunfire. So you're not being safe with our kids. Boom. Or, or vice versa. I'm mm -hmm. not sure who actually did the shooting, if it was the jet skiers or people on the beach. But regardless, an innocent child is dead because of right. this absolute exactly. bullshit. And, and this is happening, you know, in a, obviously around a lot of people. Mm -hmm. No, that is terrible. The police are investigating it as a homicide. Yeah. And... Um, they don't have a lot of information, unfortunately. Um, they think it's two groups of Hispanic males who were shooting at each other at the time of the incident. But that's about all they know. And so they're begging people right. to come forward. If you were there at that location mm -hmm. and you saw anything, please call the Tampa police because yeah. they are desperate to get a hold of who did this. Yeah. Um, the police officer said, if they're out there and they hear me today, turn yourself in. Your actions and your anger led to a seven-year-old just starting his life getting killed because you were angry over a jet ski. Yep. And by and God, if you're brave enough to pull that gun out and start shooting, you better be brave enough to take the consequences. Right? Right. You killed a little kid over a jet ski, you dumbass. Awful. It's just so sad. and I, But it's so scary to me because this is so commonplace on holidays now. Yeah. There were like a hundred people shot on the 4th of July. Yeah. Just random, ridiculous bullshit like this. An argument over jet skis? Mm -hmm. Come the fuck on. It's so. the entitled behavior. And of course, the, uh, the over-gunned behavior yeah. that is making us so unsafe. It, it, it is. And just the idea that the way that you deal with conflict with someone is shooting. Yeah. This used to be the last resort. Now it's the first. And I don't get it. I just don't get it. Remember that case in Florida last year with the two men that were road raging yeah. each other and yeah. shooting at each other on the highway and both of them had children in the car shot. Yes. And both of their cars. Luckily, I think both of those kids lived, but. They did, but Yeah. Just collateral damage. Not even the, the idiot's shooting got hit. Their kids did. And they didn't even, neither of them sought medical attention for the kid. kids. Instead, they pulled over and started physically fighting. Yeah. Leaving little children in both of their cars with gunshot wounds. Bleeding with gunshot wounds. Yeah. yeah. I know. I, 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 I don't understand what's it, this happening. This is madness. I, I don't understand it. I don't either. Wow. Yeah. Well... That's what I got. So am I turning you over for a DNA win? DNA for the win Idaho style? Yes. All right. Idaho. Yes. We have a good one. We have a winner. This comes from the Boise police. I want to show you this sweet woman who was murdered back in the 80s. 1987 in October. This lady's name is Joyce Casper. Joyce owned a Hallmark store. Uh, oh. we see. And the Hallmark stores? I don't even know if yeah. they anymore. I don't either, but she had a Hallmark and gift shop. Mm -hmm. I can remember stores like that. Yeah. We had one in the mall here for a long time. But we did. 
Yeah. And also apparently was quite a paragon in her community of uh, volunteer service and uh, was really well known and loved. And Mm -hmm. Joyce called the police and said that a younger uh, slick haired male, male with his hair slicked back, had entered her store and tried to assault her. And the police had come and looked around and didn't see anything and didn't find him. And then uh, a little later, Joyce was found a few blocks from her store, uh, deceased in her car. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had been sexually assaulted uh, and I believe shot. And they had nothing, just nothing. And so this case, it went cold pretty fast because they really didn't have a lot to go on. They tried. They investigated the hell out of it. But it... uh Everybody was just so shocked and scared, and there was just not a lot to go on. Well, apparently, in 2017, 30 years after her murder, two full-time investigators were assigned to her case to comb through the evidence to, let's take another hard look, right? Mm -hmm. So there was DNA there were DNA swabs that had been taken at the time that they had just held on to back again to the, uh, the foresight of some of these detectives and officers that gathered DNA and saved it. Not really knowing it was useless to them at the time, but they did that, uh, which is amazing. Right. I know that the foresight, we see this all the time. Yeah. The investigators knew that eventually science was going to catch up. Yeah. That's helped so much in these DNA for the win cases. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I have to back that off. She was not shot. They weren't sure what the cause of death was, actually. Oh. Anyway. So hmm. they sent the DNA in 2017. They sent it to Parabon Nano Labs. And they developed a profile uh, that would have been a young Latino man with brown or hazel eyes, uh, brown or black hair. It didn't give them anywhere specific. But still, they at least knew that. Uh, they also that's more than they had. Huh? Yes, uh, he was not in CODIS though, so they didn't really have anything to go on besides that. But they still felt like this was a start. This was something, right? So t- in 2021, they took that DNA and they sent it back off to a genetic genealogy company and had them create a reverse family tree like we just keep hearing about, right, from DNA that was was in the system. And in October 2021, a forensic uh, genealogist named Lisa Lewis from a company called Identifiers. This is a company we've not heard of before. I checked them out mm. on Facebook. They're doing amazing work. They're cool. just yeah, Paramount we hear about a lot. And I can't uh-huh. remember what was the other one, but Othram. there's two we hear about. Othram, yeah, we hear about uh-huh. Othram a lot too. But this is another company that is rising and good on Lisa Lewis because she was able to figure it out. Here's what she said. She said, I work with the family history to see who was living in the right place at the right time and who was in the correct age range to either be the unknown person or the person who may have committed the crime. Well, she narrowed it down to a man that was living in Caldwell at the time, which is uh, just Mm -hmm. very near Boise. And Mm -hmm. she was able to identify him as Frank Rodriguez. Oh, wow. So I'm going to show you Frank. This is Frank Rodriguez. That is, unfortunately, that is the picture from his obituary. Frank died in 2007. Uh, That's always the frustration with these. Is so often the perpetrator has already passed. Yeah, so there will not be justice, unfortunately, uh, beyond knowing who did it. So Frank had never been convicted of another crime, interestingly. So he died at 37. And his, he was married. He had two sons. Uh, His obituary just reads like he is a wonderful human and yet he really freaked himself out with that and decided he'd never do anything else again maybe so the the police are asking 
that anybody who knew Frank uh, or knew of Frank that knows anything about him to come and talk to them because they are, of course, now wondering, is it possible that he uh, committed any other crimes in the Treasure Valley that we don't know about, you know, or that we don't know uh, that he committed. So that's kind of where they are right now. But huge props to the Boise police and to identifiers for uh, solving this crime. And so, so much love to her family, to Joyce Casper's family, because uh, this has been 30 years in the making. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Pretty amazing. Well, at least now her family has a little bit of closure. Yeah. We also know he can't hurt anybody else. Yep. And yet so again. there are always some silver linings with these DNA for the win. Definitely. Definitely. And yet again, we're just dazzled by the work of uh, the genetic genealogists and right. uh, the whole process. Amazing. It's amazing. Yep. So with that, I'm going to kick the mic back over to you for a WTF news case. Oh boy, aren't you though? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's talk about this beautiful girl right here. This is Amber Spradlin. Amber was killed on June 18th in Prestonburg, Kentucky. She was stabbed 11 times. And some real bullshit has gone on in that community that, especially with their 911 call center, that is really, really concerning and making us all wonder what the hell's going on in Prestonburg, Kentucky. So what happened? Uh, Let's see. She was found dead. Amber was 38. She was found dead in a home on Arkansas Creek on June 18th. The death, uh, the incident that led to her death happened overnight on June 17th. Why was she not found until June 18th? Because a 911 call was made that was picked up by the 911 dispatch center and was not correctly routed to where it was supposed to go. Oh, no. What happened is that Prestonburg has opened its own 911 call center, and it's supposed to be for the town of Prestonburg in the, within the city limits. Now, when you call 911, you don't have any control over where that call goes to. No. That's all hand, supposed to be handled correctly, right? Yeah. Well, the home where she was was outside the city limits. It was in the county. So that should have been transferred to the state police call center and someone called out there. But it doesn't appear that it was. And this is literally someone stabbed 11 times, bleeding out, needing someone instantly. And first of all, why didn't Prestonburg just send a damn ambulance right now? Right. They didn't. They supposedly referred this call off to the other call center, but we're not sure that that actually even happened. And they did not find her for hours. And by the time they found her, of course, she was dead. Oh, God, that's not. That's horrific. So this was obviously a homicide. Yeah. So now state troopers are um, investigating it. Um, I mean, here's the thing. She was not at her own house. Sure. She was at someone else's house. Yeah. And it's very likely that they have suspects. They're just not saying anything mm-hmm. right now. Uh, the scene was very gruesome. They're, they, they're saying something very interesting. Um, that there was blood everywhere. Blood mixed with other blood. So oh. perpetrator's blood. 
Maybe. Is how I would take that, you know? You'd think so. So maybe she fought back pretty good. Right. Yeah. Oh, that so, poor girl. It is horrifying to wonder how long she suffered. Right. Wondering where the hell help was. Yeah. Why was help not coming when 911 had been called? And that's what we're supposed to do in this country. Mm-hmm. And that's supposed to work. Yeah, that's a really um, scary hole in the system. Yikes. It is really scary. And and honestly, why would poor you... officers that uh, weren't given the orders to get there. That right? Like, can you imagine how terrible you would feel knowing that this happened on your watch and you didn't? And that know? she just laid there bleeding out with no yeah. one helping her. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, um. Here's here's one of the problems. There there are many problems here, but one of them is that the Prestonburg mayor Les Stapleton has doubled down in the worst way I can possibly imagine. Listen to this. This is the statement he put out. The city of Prestonburg police is a stellar organization supported by a stellar 911 center. They offer around-the-clock police protection 365 days a year, but their priority is and must be the city of Prestonburg as they are the taxpayers who fund the department's existence. With that priority, we still have done our absolute best to assist outside of town when resources allow us. I have total faith in and can unequivocally state that our employees did and continue to do, as they always have, everything as professionally and adequately as possible. Holy shit. So because the house where Amber was murdered wasn't paying taxes to Prestonburg, we don't care about you? Because that's pretty much what that statement said. Mm -hmm. That was so gross. I cannot imagine. I can't imagine having a 911 center that is dedicated to city limits, but can receive calls from outside city limits. And then we can decide, well, I mean, they don't pay taxes here, so... The resource. What? Yeah. I mean, that is the sickest. Oh. Oh, Kentucky. You guys better really right? get on top of this. Yikes. Right. They have to prioritize the city of Prestonburg as they are the taxpayers who fund the department's existence. If you don't give us money, we don't care about you. That should just be the mantra in the United States right now. Who the hell wakes up and decides that's what they're going to say in a presser about this? Right? I mean, defensive much? Oh, makes me just... Oh, oh. Yeah. The family doesn't have any idea why anybody would want to hurt Amber. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about Amber. Amber Amber had a rough night. Not not a rough... Yeah, she had a rough night. She also had a rough life. She... um, her sister and her mother died and she was raised by her grandparents and she took care of them until they died. Oh boy. And um, has only just recently like moved out of her family home to start a life on her own because she's been a caregiver for a long time, taking care of her grandparents who raised her. Oh. Amber, and you did not deserve this. She wow. sure didn't. She sure didn't. So what her family is saying is that on the night that she died, she was with some friends and her boss, people that she knew and trusted. Mm -hmm. And that's why people are so concerned about what happened here. Uh, Her cousin, Debbie Hall, said she was stabbed not once, not twice, not three times. She was stabbed 11 times in her head, her neck, and her throat. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. Um. So the family have an attorney because they are just yeah. curious, which I would be too. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Mark Wallander, uh, and he believes that state police have a suspect. Um, but they haven't named anyone publicly yet. Mm-hmm. He described the crime scene as incredibly gruesome and said he believes they are waiting on DNA evidence. Ah. And there's, you know, the statement about there being blood everywhere and blood mixed mm-hmm. with blood. So it sounds like they're, they have DNA. Um, but she was just a, a lovely loving person and they have no idea and that she was with people that she knew and trusted and was friends with and you know had no suspicion on her own that she was at risk sure oh please let amber get justice our hearts go out to amber and her family and we're going to keep following this case 
Yeah. Because this is a very important study in why little municipalities should not have their own 911 centers because of this. You're literally prioritizing taxpayers over people who are dying yeah. in need of emergency services. Yeah, that, this no. cannot stand. No. This, 911 should never be about money, ever. Ever. I cannot imagine. Helping the person that, on the other end of the line. Yeah. I cannot imagine that happening here. You know, knowing people, having friends that are dispatchers, the thought that they get a call that's for a different county or a different area, that they don't immediately jump into action and make sure that that call gets to where it needs to be and that those people get help. I know they would. This, well, this stay on the phone until they know somebody's being dispatched immediately. Yeah. The, you know, this kind I, of cold, callous, unfeeling. What? Yeah. I, I know. The way the mayor them. stated it. Yeah. He's obviously the. Oh, yeah. The city's going to get sued. Oh, yeah. For this. He knows. As well. It. They yep. But it just makes me sick. You know, you're prioritizing tax money over a woman dying of seven of 11 stab wounds, a, a woman that's been murdered. Like, come on. Right. So there's a lot not known because investigators are keeping pretty tight lip. But obviously she was at someone else's house. She wasn't even at her own house. So, you know, yeah. there's going to there's there's going to be there's stuff they know that they're just not yeah. saying. Yet. And we're going to keep an eye on it. Right. And when more information comes out about um, uh, if they have a suspect or whatever's happening in Amber's case, we will share that for sure. Yeah. So, Katie, are we also about to hear some WTF news from you? <laughs> Indeed you are. Okay. You know, years ago, when our kids were littler and we were young and poor and always, you know, hustling, we used to buy out storage units, Scott and I, and yeah. buy out, you know, abandoned storage units and strip them out and away the garbage, sell the good stuff, keep occasional things that were awesome. And we had a lot of fun doing that and made some pretty good money doing that over the years too. Mm -hmm. Until like a reality TV show and then people started showing up to these storage unit auctions acting like complete dicks because, you know, that's what they were doing on TV mm -hmm. and paying way too much money for this stuff. And, and so we were out. It wasn't fun anymore. But we did do that for years. And I had said for a long time, my biggest fear would have been finding a dead body in one of our storage yeah. units. Uh, mm -hmm. I, it was always, it was something that had been in the back of my mind many times. Like, what if you found something really terrible in here? We did occasionally, like one time we found some illegal drugs and paraphernalia and, you know, we, we found stuff some, mm -hmm. a few times that was concerning and scary. Uh, never a dead body though. However, Unfortunately, that has not been the case in St. Paul, Minnesota. Mm. There has now been two bodies recovered in the last week from two different storage units. Oh, no. uh, the police believe that both of the bodies, uh, they, they think they know who uh, is responsible for both of them. I'm going to show you one person. Is this related? It's one person. I'm going to show you the presser, a few minutes of the presser first, and then we'll talk about it. All right. Uh, good afternoon. I'm here to provide an update in the missing person case involving Fanta Sayavong. Unfortunately, for the second time in a week, I'm here to report that we found a missing person deceased. Fanta's case began at the end of May, when a tip came in to the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension's human trafficking tip line. That tip was from a concerned citizen, somebody who knew Fanta and was concerned for her welfare. They reported to us that Fanta was in an abusive relationship. Uh, they, they stated that Fanta was in a relationship with Joseph Jorgensen and they had lost contact with her and they were concerned for her safety. Our investigators received this tip and they were in the middle of another investigation where Joseph Jorgensen was a person of interest. So they immediately became concerned for her safety and opened a missing persons case. That investigation led us to this week where investigators 
went up to the 9100 block of University Avenue Northwest in Coon Rapids and served a search warrant on a storage unit located um, at that location. Investigators located what they believed to be human remains inside the storage unit. Our forensic services unit, as well as the Midwest uh, Medical Examiner's Office of Anoka responded to the storage unit and recovered those remains. They were brought back to the Medical Examiner's Office where today those remains were identified as Fanta Sayavong. The investigators today also served a search warrant in Shoreview at a residence. That search warrant was conducted by St. Paul investigators who were serving the warrant at a home that was previously owned by Joseph Jorgensen. We believed he was in that home until approximately September of 2022. The search warrant was conducted with the hopes of finding any evidence in relation to the death investigation involving Fanta Sayavong. Like I stated before, this, this, this all began with a tip. Um, it was a very important tip, one that put us on the path to finding Fanta. Uh, we would encourage anyone with any information about anyone who is missing that has had contact with Joseph Jorgensen to call the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension tip line at 1-877-996-6222. An email also can be sent to them if that's uh, easier at bca.tips at state.mn.us. Um, this, this investigation is still active and ongoing. Um, we don't have any further updates to share, um, but we will take calls from anybody that has any information related to this case or any other cases uh, that are ongoing right now. Wow. So, and of course, Fanta uh, is the second victim. The first victim is a girl named Manny Starin. So, this is Fanta on the left. In the center is Manny Starin. Her body was found a week ago. And Joseph Jorgensen actually has been arrested uh, and charged with second degree murder in Manny's murder. He has not been charged yet in Fanta's, but that uh, is believed to be coming. Yeah. But what, and then of course, this is this peach on the right is uh, Joseph, who looks like he's had his ass kicked properly. So that's good. He but, does. Yeah. That looked like it was a bit of an eventful arrest. Uh, yeah. But the real question now is, are there others? Right. Is it, are, are there other women stashed in storage units in St. Paul? God, that's horrifying. Yep. So obviously the police there are, you know, asking anybody. But yet again, we're back to that. If you see something, say something. They might not have even known that Fanta was missing for a much longer time. But somebody was concerned enough to call and... It, it's two-sided, right? The police also listened and took her seriously yeah. and started investigating. And thank God they did. So, obviously, if you're in the St. Paul area and you know anything, say something. Otherwise, though, uh, always keep your eyes peeled and never be afraid to send in a tip. Yeah. It's absolutely. okay to be wrong. It is okay to be wrong. The police would rather find out if you know something or you think you know something or you think you saw something than, you know, than, than say nothing. And then 20 years down the road, realize that you did see or knew something. Yeah, that you were actually the only witness to something. No, that's the hard part. You don't always know what if you saw something, you don't always know what it means. But that's why it's important to report it. But also Jorgensen is in custody. He's not going anywhere. So that's good. That's good You're news. Safe to up. Yeah. 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 Whew. Right. You know that dude. You know anything about him? Mm -hmm. Start talking. Yep. So, much love to both of those families uh, that have been affected by these murders, and and all of the friends and coworkers, and everyone else who I'm sure has been affected by this horror. And hopefully, uh, 
if there's any else, they figure them out. I mean, he's trending towards being a serial killer at this point. Mm -hmm. That's two. Unrelated. So. Yeah, if there's a third. One more and he's on the list. Yep. Yikes. Yep. Well, with that, I'm going to kick the mic back over to you for a true crime update. Yes. Well, in a little bit of good news, this bag of rancid mayonnaise right here is the gunman in the El Paso Walmart shooting that happened in 2019 in Texas. Oh, okay. And he has been sentenced for federal hate crimes. Now, we know that this fool is a self-described white nationalist. We also know that he is a um, domestic terrorist. And he's also not going anywhere anytime soon. He's still facing state murder trial, uh, his state murder trial. And Texas has said that they will seek the death penalty with him. So... He was sentenced to 90 consecutive life terms for his conviction on federal hate crimes. Wow. Uh, yeah. So this is Luis Juarez Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. No, I'm sorry. Patrick Crucius. Good God, I knew that was wrong as soon as I said it. Um, the state court. Uh, never mind. His name is Patrick Crucius. <laughs> It's Monday. It's Monday. It is. Um, There were two days of um, victim impact statements um, last week. And, you know, talking about the impact um, on their lives, talked about the the unbelievable damage to their loved ones who were killed. 20, he um, shot 23 people fatally and left 22 injured. Wow. Um, so he's obviously never going anywhere. Um, he has 90 life sentences in federal prison, um, and will be charged in the state as well. And, and, you know, they are pursuing the death penalty. So we will see what happens there. And surely they'll get it. No, I I think it's a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, for one, this is Texas, but for two. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, if they're, if they've proved the federal case, they're, prove the state's case um his defense attorney joe spencer said he was suffering from severe mental illness when he committed the crimes although he does not did not use a mental health defense um he talks about he does have a diagnosis of schizoaffective disorder but he also you know had a had a a hateful screed on facebook prior to this uh, prior to the shooting uh, yeah, so it, it's really good news. It I is. mean, this yeah. is a person that we never, ever want back on the street ever, ever again. No. And, you know, that they were able to just, um, charge it as a hate crime. Super, super yes. important. He, yeah. he um, targeted that particular store in El Paso because the majority of people there are Hispanic. So this of was course. a hate crime against Hispanics and bye jackass. Yep. Have a terrible life. Yep. Have the life you deserve. Okay. And with that, I will pass the mic back to you for some more crime update. Yes. Oh guys. If you think the rest of this episode was wild, <laughs> Hold on to your butts because it's Uh going to get worse. I don't know if it's worse. Wait, maybe. I'll let you decide. This uh, story starts back in 2011. And in 2011, there was a girl named Andrea Iber who was found shot to death in Michigan. Uh, 
20 years old, she was house sitting for her aunt and uncle and disappeared and kind of disappeared, uh, vanished, uh, wasn't answering, wasn't answering aunt and uncle's door. Her car wasn't there. Everybody was confused about where she was. Eventually the police broke down the door and, uh, went in the house and her aunt discovered her in the basement, uh, zip tied to chairs and had been assaulted and shot in the head. Oh my God. Almost immediately her boyfriend was arrested. Mm -hmm. Uh, her boyfriend, uh, there was some uh, evidence that tied him to the scene, and his name was uh, is Kenneth Grandin, but I believe he goes by KC. So KC uh, was also 19. He was arrested and charged with murder, and he was convicted in 2015. And he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. But in 2018, he was granted an appeal based on faulty language used in the jury form. Mm. And so he has been living since 2018 on house arrest. Waiting, oh, wow. Mm -hmm, waiting a long for, time. Yeah. Waiting for a new trial since 2018. But his attorney has really been pushing because there was a cigarette butt at the scene that had DNA that did not match his. Uh oh. They immediately went straight to him. It was one of those deals, I'm afraid, where this was the path of least resistance, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it, it, the evidence they have uh, for him being at this, there is evidence that he was at the scene, but there's not a lot. But again, he is the only person they really investigated very hard. Mm. So last year, the cigarette butt was sent out to a private lab in Texas that does genetic genealogy. Mm -hmm. And in January, they were able to link that DNA to a man that's living in Utah. Oh. Yeah, not Casey. Oh so they held him all this time and he's innocent? Well, we'll find out. So he, this guy's name is Chadwick Mobley. So he was uh, listed as living in Brigham City, Utah. And, but the, he did live in Auburn Hills in that area in Michigan in 2011, about 40 miles away. So the Michigan authorities got with the Utah authorities. They started surveying Mobley and eventually did get a warrant for his DNA and a search warrant. And the search warrant uh, uncovered a gun that they believe is the murder weapon. Oh, my God. That he had in his possession. Crazy yeah. that he still had it. Right. And so they took uh, quite a few swabs and sent those off. And the swabs verified that, yes, indeed, Mobley uh, does match those uh, the, the cigarette butt that was found at the scene. Okay. Oh my God. So they come back to arrest Mobley and he is gone. Mm. So they had an idea that he had gone to Montana. So they had put out uh, some statements on Facebook uh, in the area of Montana in Lincoln County where they thought that he may have been. Mm -hmm. And somebody saw that. And saw him. And they called the police and they were able to apprehend him. So he was arrested oh. in Montana. So this is this is him. This is Chadwick. Uh, this is also Chadwick from his uh, from his Twitter. Mm. So and he this is kind of more he has had blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And some piercings in his ears and his face. But uh, once in custody, this is what he looked like. Uh, so, okay, so good. So he has a, a hearing where he waives his right to, uh, to fight extradition. So, okay, great. So the marshals set up a transport for him to be transported from Montana back to Michigan. 
Mm-hmm. And yesterday they initiated that transport. Well, unfortunately, something went wrong with the transport and he escaped. <gasps> oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this happened in Plains, Montana. Apparently, they stopped for gas at a town pump about uh, 10 o'clock yesterday morning. They're saying he was able to slip his handcuffs and his ankle shackles and run. What? How were they not tight? That sounds like he had help. It Dare does. I say? So he is currently, as of this taping, still on the run. Wow. They don't have a clue. It's now been about 24 hours. They don't know where he is. So Idaho, Montana. This was uh, not too far from Sandpoint, Idaho, where he escaped. So Idaho, Montana, Utah, all of the surrounding areas. Everybody needs to take some cold, hard looks at Chadwick. He was also in street clothes. He was? Yeah. Why was he in street clothes? Uh, I don't know. You know, when they transported Lori Vallow, she was in street clothes. So. Yeah, I guess. But Maybe that's why. He was wearing a light colored t-shirt, camouflage pants, a ball cap, boots, and a black coat at the time that he escaped. Why was he wearing a coat? I don't know. It's, it's all kind of weird. Very hot. So, however, the police and the marshals want you to know this was a private transport company. Oh. Stop being really? mad at the police. They didn't do it. It's not their fault. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen. <laughs> We're the ones that caught the guy. We're not the ones that let him go. It wasn't us. So a couple of things. I had no idea they used private transport companies for inmates. I didn't either. Does that not seem risky? Well, apparently, (laughs) considering what we're facing right now. Now, a few things about Chadwick. He's 42. He, according to his Twitter, is a Navy veteran. He was driving in Utah a beautiful truck that had a uh, license plate on it that had a Navy acronym on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like he was doing fine. Uh, though they said that uh, they thought maybe... Well, probably was- thinking somebody else is in jail for his crime awaiting trial. Right. They th- mm-hmm. There was some talk uh, that uh, after he had been uh, swabbed and ran that he was living in that truck. Uh, and he may have been. But now he's just on the lam and they don't know where he's at. So, again... Keep your eyes peeled. If you see something, say something. It's okay to be wrong. But if you see somebody that looks anything like this dude, or Mm -hmm. this dude, since that seems to be a more, like, look at the black coat. Mm -hmm. uh, Like him. So, interesting from Twitter, I would say uh, he is not super stable. Uh, (laughs) He hates the government. Like, hates the government. Most especially Donald Trump, but he's really an equal opportunity hater. He hates uh, most government. Uh, But he loves Elon Musk. Like, he thinks Elon Musk basically is here to save the world. He's said that in quite a few of his tweets. I spent quite a bit of time on his Twitter last night. Uh, And that's basically his thought process. But many times in tweets he sent, he said, I watched my friends die in Iraq for you MRFers, basically, you know, calling out various uh, government entities. But uh, I would say this is somebody who, A, is quite well-trained mm-hmm. and probably is going to do a pretty good job of staying low-key, like he had up until the point that he was arrested mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, that he was sought out. Uh, he's probably going to do okay if he gets into the woods and, you know, yeah. And, and is he trying to get to Canada and maybe, you know, get into another country? Maybe he who wasn't knows? very far from Canada, unfortunately. Right. No, he's not. So who knows? But keep your eyes peeled. So back to KC, back to the boyfriend. 
the family seems to think that maybe they were both involved. They're not letting Casey off the hook at all. They think that he was still involved. Casey's attorney, of course, is saying absolutely he wasn't. And now we have proof and he, this is what we need to, you know, what they needed to uh, exonerate him. So we'll see what happens. We, I, we don't know yet what's going to happen, if that's going to exonerate him or if he isn't. Well, yeah, I mean, what's the connection between these two men if they were involved in this together? Yeah. We don't know. Uh, her family is saying they have absolutely no idea who this person is. They've never seen him before. They don't know him at all. Mm -hmm. uh, though it does sound like there were some drugs on board. Uh, not saying that for, with her there was. I don't know that. But uh, it sounds like with the other men there may have been, or with the men, there may have been some drugs on board. So there's a lot mm -hmm. we don't know yet. Uh, but her poor family can you imagine the roller coaster of first of all the murder mm -hmm. and then the boyfriend being arrested going through way too long i mean this was in 2011 he didn't even go to trial until 2015 then wow. in 2018 is granted a new trial has been sitting on house arrest now since 2018 until now waiting for the prosecutor to refile Wow. And now to find out that uh, there is someone else that may have been the perp or at least involved that then and, and his charges are first degree murder. Wow. Uh, that, that what a roller coaster for them. That's right. terrible. Then for and also be, for this kid that's sitting in jail. What if he did not do this? Right. Well, and then but for this guy, for them to be like, OK, yes, we know of this person. They found him. Oh, God, now he's on the run. Oh, no, they arrested him. It's great. And now he's on the run again. Holy shit. I am so sorry for her family that they are going through this. Yeah. I mean, this is a nightmare that never ends for them. Yeah, it is. That's terrible. It really well, hopefully, is. hopefully law enforcement can catch this guy quickly. Absolutely. That's really scary. Absolutely. So, again, for Andrea's family, all of the love to you guys. I can't even imagine the level of frustration you must be feeling right now and and grief of course uh to casey and his family uh, i hope that justice is served whether he is involved and needs to stay right where he's at or he's not hopefully justice right. is served and obviously chadwick i hope they find you soon bro you need yeah. to stand accountable for what's happened here sure wow do. and also I think we need a little more information about how in the world he managed to get free from that. Right. There are way too many things there that really concern me. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So there you have it. Wow. That is our Monday episode. So we'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode. We'll be back Wednesday with case updates. Uh, also, it's July. The clock is finally ticking down. Uh, until we finally get to see Lori Vallow sentenced. It's yes. coming this it's month. Coming. So No, are... I can't believe that we're this close. It felt like it was going to take forever, but it really hasn't. No, we are anxiously awaiting D-Day. So Definitely. Yeah. All righty. Well, you guys, this has been a long enough episode, so we're going to go. But <laughs> have a wonderful day. Please take good care of yourselves. You know you deserve it. As always, if you see something, say something. This has been yet another production of the True Crime Squad. Take care. Bye, everybody.